Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our Course in Miracles daily reading conference call. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles original edition, published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, or if you mouse on the link at top for online edition, you'll see a link to read ACIMOE. Also, at that website, there's a tab called Lesson Sign Up where you can sign up to receive the daily excellent email that includes both the text reading for the day as well as the lesson for the day. My name is Lori Cameron. This call is Monday through Friday from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we begin a new chapter, chapter 29, The Awakening. We'll be reading section one, The Introduction, and section two, the closing of the gap. And we're also mindful of our lesson today, which fits it hand in glove. Uh, Lesson 304, let not my world obscure the sight of Christ. And by way of opening this morning, I'd just love to share this little thought from a publication called Flashes that's uh, written by Pierre Elias Amidon, who's, uh, I guess you could call the world leader of Sufism right now. He also wrote that beautiful poem that I love to share from time to time that ends with, you have made my soul window and opened it unto you. In light of uh, that holy space, He offers this. Beloved, beloved, you sent us here to help you make more beauty. When we asked how, you said, love more. We could build a whole joyous world with that instruction. Let not my world obscure the sight of Christ. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah, thank, you. thank you. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, that's a big shift, isn't it? Like, we're here for a purpose as opposed to we're here by accident. Um, so anyway, here's our reading list this morning. I have Jennifer... Fran, Karen, and Judy joined the listening this morning by Ida. And let's see, who else has joined us? We'd like to say good morning and be on the reading list. Good morning, it's Harrison. I'm listening. Good morning, Harrison. Good morning. It's Lemoyne. I will Good read morning. if you like. Hey. Oh, gosh, yes. Thank you, Lemoyne. All right. Okie doke. So a new chapter this morning, chapter 29, The Awakening. Starting with introduction, paragraph one. There is no time, no place, no state where God is absent. 
There is nothing to be feared. There is no way in which a gap could be conceived of in the wholeness that is his. The compromise, the least and littlest gap would represent in his eternal love is quite impossible. For it would mean his love could harbor just a hint of hate. His gentleness turns sometimes to attack, and his eternal patience sometimes fails. All this do you believe when you perceive a gap between your brother and yourself. How could you trust him then? For he must be deceptive in his love. Be wary then, let him not come too close and leave a gap between you and his love through which you can escape if there be need for you to flee. If there be need for you to flee. Jennifer. Chapter 29, The Awakening. One, an introduction. There is no time, no place, no state where God is absent. There is nothing to be feared. There is no way in which a gap could be conceived of in the wholeness that she, that is his. The compromise, the comp- compromise, the least and the littlest gap would represent in his eternal love is quite impossible. For it would mean his love could harbor just a hint of hate. His gentleness turns sometimes to attack, and his eternal patience sometimes fails. All this do you believe when you perceive a gap between your brother and yourself? How could you trust him then? For he must be deceptive in his love. Be wary then. Let him not come too close and leave a gap between you and his love through which you can if there be need for you to flee. Two, here is the fear of God most plainly seen. For love is treacherous to those who fear, since fear and hate can never be apart. No one who hates but is afraid of love and therefore must to be afraid of God. Certain it, it is, he knows not what love means. He fears to love and loves to hate. And so he thinks that love is fearful. Hate is love. This is the consequence the little gap must bring to those who cherish it and think that it is their salvation and their hope. Thank you, Jennifer. And Fran. Two, here is the fear of God most plainly seen. For love is treacherous to those who fear, 
since fear and hate can never be apart. No one who hates but is afraid of love and therefore must he be afraid of God. Certain it is he knows not what love means. He fears to love and loves to hate, and so he thinks that love is fearful. Hate is love. This is the consequence the little gap must bring to those who cherish it and think that it is their salvation and their hope. Three, the fear of God. The greatest obstacle that peace must flow across has not yet gone. The rest are past, but this one still remains to block your path and make the way to light seem dark and fearful, perilous and bleak. You had decided that your brother is your enemy, sometimes a friend, perhaps, provided that your separate interests made your friendship possible a little while, but not without a gap between you, lest he turn again into an enemy. Let him come close to you, and you jump back. As you approached, he instantly withdrew. A cautious friendship, limited in scope and carefully restricted in amount, became the treaty you had made with him. You shared a qualified intent in which a clause of separation was a point on which you both agreed to keep intact. And violating this was thought to be a breach of treaty not to be allowed. Thank you, Fran. And um, Karen, if you'd like to do that third paragraph and roll right into the next, please. Three, the fear of God. The greatest obstacle that peace must flow across has not yet gone. The rest are past, but this one still remains to block your path and make the way, the way to light seem dark and fearful, perilous and bleak. You had decided that your brother is your enemy. Sometimes a friend, perhaps, provided that your separate interests made your friendship possible a little while, but not without a gap between you, lest he turn again into an enemy. Let him come close to you, and you jumped back. As you approached, he instantly withdrew. A cautious cautious friendship, limited in scope and carefully restricted in amount, became the treaty you had with him, you had made with him. You shared a qualified entente in which a clause of separation was a point on which you both agreed to keep intact. And violating this was thought to be a breach of treaty not to be allowed. Chapter 29, The Awakening to the closing of the gap. Paragraph four. The gap between you is not one of space between two separate bodies. This but seems to be dividing off your separate minds. It is the symbol of a promise made to meet when you prefer and separate until you both elect to meet again. And then your bodies seem to get in touch and signify a meeting place to join. But always, is it possible to go your separate ways? Conditional, 
upon the quote-unquote right to separate. Will you agree to meet from time to time and keep apart in intervals of separation, which protects you from the quote-unquote sacrifice of love? The body saves you, for it gets away from total sacrifice and gives you time in which to build again your separate selves, which you believe diminish as you meet. Thank you, Karen. And Judy. Sorry, I wasn't on mute. 29, the awake. Two, the closing of the gap. The gap between you is not one of space between two separate bodies. This but seems to be dividing off your separate minds. It is the symbol of a promise made to meet when you prefer and separate until you both elect to meet again. And then your bodies seem to get in touch and signify a meeting place to join. But always is it possible to go your separate ways. Conditional upon the quote-unquote right to separate, will you agree to meet from time to time and keep apart in intervals of separation, which protect you from the, quote, sacrifice, unquote, of love. The body saves you, for it gets away from total sacrifice and gives you time in which to build again your separate selves, which you believe diminish as you meet. The body could not separate your minds unless you wanted it to be a cause of separation and of distance seen between you. Thus, do you endow it with the power that lies now within itself? And herein lies its power over you. For now you think that it determines when you meet and limits your ability to make communion with each other's mind. And now it tells you where to go and how to go there and what is feasible for you to undertake and what you cannot do. It dictates what its health can tolerate and what will tire it and make it sick. Its, quote, inherent weaknesses set up the limitations on what you would do and keep your purpose limited, and weak. Thank you, Thank you Judy. Uh, and Lemoyne. The body could not separate your minds unless you wanted it to be a cause of separation and of distance seen between you. Thus, do you endow it with a power that lies not within itself? And herein lies its power over you. For now you think that it determines when you meet and limits your ability to make communion with each other's mind. And now it tells you where to go and how to go there, what is feasible for you to undertake, and what you cannot do. 
It dictates what its health can tolerate and what will tire it and make it sick. And its quote-unquote inherent weaknesses set up the limitations on what you would do and keep your purpose limited and weak. The body will accommodate to this if you would have it so. It will allow but limited indulgences in, quote, love with intervals of hatred in between. And it will take command of when to seeming love and when to shrink more safely into fear. It will be sick because you do not know what loving means. And so you must misuse each circumstance and everyone you meet and see in them a purpose, not your own. Thank you, Lemoyne. And would there be a new reader for um, six and seven? This is Sandra. I can read. Oh, thanks, Sandra. The body will accommodate to this if you would have it so. It will allow but limited indulgences in quote-unquote love with intervals of hatred in between. And it will take command of when to quote-unquote love and when to shrink more safely into fear. It will be sick because you do not know that love, what loving means and so you must misuse each circumstance and everyone you meet and see in them a purpose, not your own. Seven, it is not love that asks a sacrifice, but fear demands the sacrifice of love. For in love's presence, fear cannot abide. For hate to be maintained, love must be feared and only sometimes present, sometimes gone. Thus is love seen as treacherous because it seems to come and go uncertainly and offer no stability to you. You do not see how limited and weak is your allegiance and how frequently you have demanded that love go away and leave you quietly alone in quote-unquote peace. Thank you, Sandra. Uh, another new reader for seven and eight. Okay, back to you, Jen. Seven. It is not love that asks a sacrifice, but fear demands a sacrifice of love. For in love's presence, Fear cannot abide. For hate to be maintained, love must be feared, and only sometimes present, sometimes gone. Thus is love seen as treacherous, because it seems to come and go uncertainly and offer no stability to you. You do not see how limited and weak in your allegiance and how frequently you have demanded that love go away and leave you quietly alone in your quote-unquote peace. Eight, the body, in a sense of any goal, is your excuse 
for variable goals, you hold and force the body and then maintain. You do not fear its weakness, but its lack of strength or weakness. Would you recognize that nothing stands between you? Would you know there is no gap behind which you can hide? There is a shock that comes to those who learn their Savior is their enemy no more. No more. There is a weariness that is aroused by learning that the body is not real. And there are overtones of seeming fear around the happy message, quote unquote, God is love. Thank you, Jennifer. And Fran. Eight. The body, innocent of any goal, is your excuse for variable goals you hold and force the body to maintain. You do not fear its weakness, but its lack of strength or weakness. Would you recognize that nothing stands between you? Would you know there is no gap behind which you can hide? There is a shock that comes to those who learn their savior is their enemy no more. There is a wariness that is aroused by learning that the body is not real. And there are overturns of seeming fear around the happy message, quote, God is love, unquote. Nine, yet all that happens when the gap is gone is peace eternal. Nothing more than that and nothing less. Without the fear of God, what could induce you to abandon him? What toys or trinkets in the gap could serve to hold you back an instant from his love? Would you allow the body to say, quote, unquote, no to heaven's calling? Were you not afraid to find a loss of self in finding God? Yet can yourself be lost by being found? Thank you, friend. Hi, Karen. Nine. Yet all that happens when the gap is gone is peace eternal. Nothing more than that and nothing less. Without the fear of God, what could induce you to abandon him? What toys or trinkets in the gap could serve to hold you back an instant from his love? Would you allow the body to say, quote-unquote, no to heaven's calling? Were you not afraid to find a loss of self in finding God? Yet can yourself be lost by being found? Thank you, Karen. And thank you, everyone who read this morning. Excuse me one second. Rug in my throat. Um, let's see, minutes. Would we prefer to read this through one more time or highlight some high points? I think it's uh, read it again. together pretty tightly. I do too. Yeah, I do too because I do think it's it's uh, woven tightly to describe how that works. So, um, should we do that? 
I'll just reverse the order and we added Sandra at the end. And so, um, yeah. let's see, eight paragraphs, one, two, three, four, five, six. Um, well, we'll see if someone comes along. Uh, Sandra, if you'd like to start, please. Okay. Um, Chapter 29, The Awakening, Introduction. There is no time, no place, no state where God is absent. There is nothing to be feared. There is no way in which a gap could be conceived of in the wholeness that is his. The compromise, the least and littlest gap would represent in his eternal love is quite impossible for it would mean his love could harbor just a hint of hate. His gentleness turned sometimes to attack and his eternal patience sometimes fail. fail. All this do you believe when you perceive a gap between your brother and yourself. How could you trust him then? For he must be deceptive in his love. Be wary then. Let him not come too close and leave a gap between you and his love through which you can escape if there, need, if there be need for you to flee. Thank you, Sandra. Lemoyne? Here is the fear of God most plainly seen. For love is treacherous to those who fear, since fear and hate can never be apart. No one who hates but is afraid of love, and therefore must he be afraid of God. Certain it is, he knows not what love means. He fears the love and loves the hate, and so he thinks that love is fearful, hate is love. This is the consequence the little gap must bring to those who cherish it and think that it is their salvation and their hope. Thank you, Lemoyne. And Judy. Thank you. The fear of God, the greatest obstacle that peace must flow across, has not yet gone. The rest are past but this one still remains to block your path and make the way to light seem dark and fearful, perilous and bleak. You had decided that your brother is your enemy, sometimes a friend, perhaps, provided that your separate interests made your friendship possible a little while, but not without a gap between you, lest he turn again into an enemy. Let him come close to you, and you jumped back. As you approached, he instantly withdrew. A cautious friendship, limited in scope, and carefully restricted in amount, became the treaty you had made with him. You shared a qualified entente in which a clause of separation 
was a point on which you both agreed to keep intact. And violating this was thought to be a breach of treaty not to be allowed. Thank you, Judy. Hi, Karen. Chapter 29, The Awakening. Two, the closing of the gap. Paragraph four. The gap between you is not one of space between two separate bodies. This but seems to be dividing off your separate minds. It is a symbol of a promise made to meet when you prefer and separate until you both elect to meet again. And then your bodies seem to get in touch and signify a meeting place to join. But always is it possible to go your separate ways. Conditional upon the quote-unquote right to separate, will you agree to meet from time to time and keep apart in intervals of separation, which protect you from the quote-unquote sacrifice of love? The body saves you or it gets away from total sacrifice and gives you time in which to build again your separate selves, which you believe diminish as you meet. Thank you, Karen. And Fran. Five. The body could not separate your mind unless you wanted it to be a cause of separation and a distance seen between you. Thus do you endow it with a power that lies not within itself, and herein lies its power over you. For now you think that it determines when you meet and limits your ability to make communion with each other's mind. And now it tells you where to go, how to go there, and what is feasible for you to undertake and what you cannot do. It dictates what its health can tolerate and what will tire it and make it sick. And its quote-unquote inherent weaknesses set up the limitations on which you would do and keep your purpose limited and weak. Thank you, Fran. And Jennifer. The body will accommodate to do this if you would have it so. It will allow but limited indulgences, indulgences and quote-unquote love with intervals of hatred in between. And it will take command of when to quote-unquote love and when to shrink more safely into fear. It will be sick because you do not know what loving means. And so you must misuse each circumstance and everyone you meet and see in them a purpose, not your own. Thank you, Jennifer. Uh, Would there be a new reader for seven? Patricia here. Thank you, Patricia. It is not love that asks a sacrifice, but fear demands the sacrifice of love. 
For in love's presence, fear cannot abide. For hate to be maintained, love must be feared. And only sometimes present and sometimes gone. Thus is love seen as treacherous because it seems to come and go. Because it seems to come and go uncertainly and offer no stability to you. You do not see how limited and weak is your alliance and how frequently you have demanded that love go away and leave you quietly alone in peace. Thank you, Patricia. Another new reader for paragraph eight. All righty, back to you, Jen. Okay, eight. The body, innocent of any goal, is your excuse for variable goals you hold and force the body to maintain. You, you do not fear its weakness, but its lack of strength or weakness. Would you recognize that nothing stands between you? Would you know there is no gap behind which you can hide? There's a shock that comes for those who learn their savior is their enemy no more. There is a wariness that is aroused by learning that the body is not real. And there are overtones of seeming fear around the happy message, quote unquote, God is love. Thank you, Jennifer. Hi, Fran. Nine. Yet all that happens when the gap is gone is peace eternal. Nothing more than that and nothing less. Without the fear of God, what could induce you to abandon him? What toys or trinkets in the gap could serve to hold you back an instant from his love? Would you allow the body to say, quote, unquote, no to heaven's calling? Were you not afraid to find a loss of self in finding God? Yet can your self be lost by being found? Thank you, Fran. And thank you, everyone who read this this morning. Um, I really look forward to the discussion that follows. Uh, after we've touched in with our lesson and with the second coming. Um, So let's take this holy pause right now.
And Fran, thanks again for leading us this morning. We sure appreciate your help with this. Uh, thank you so much. I appreciate yours too. <laughs> All of the, everybody's. <laughs> Hi everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook. And the theme that we're on is what is the second coming? <clears throat> and the lesson for today is lesson 304. Let not my world obscure the sight of Christ. So I shall read some from what is the second coming. Then we'll go over to our lesson and do our five-minute meditation. What is the second coming? The second coming ends the lessons which the Holy Spirit teaches, making way for the last judgment. Excuse me. Excuse me. And which learning ends in one last summary that will extend beyond itself and reaches up to God. The second coming is the time in which all minds are given to the hands of Christ to be returned to spirit in the name of true creation and the will of God. The second coming is the one event in time which time itself cannot affect. For everyone, whoever came to die or yet will come or who is present now is equally released from what he made. In this equality is Christ restored as one identity in which all sons of God acknowledge that they all are one. And God the Father smiles upon his Son, his one creation, and his only joy. We'll go over to the lesson now. Lesson 304. Let not my world obscure the sight of Christ. I can obscure my holy sight if I intrude my world upon it. Nor can I behold the holy sights Christ looks upon unless it is his vision that I use. Perception is a mirror, not a fact. And what I look on is my state of mind reflected outward. I would bless the world by looking on it through the eyes of Christ, and I will look upon the certain signs that all my sins have been forgiven me. You lead me from the darkness to the light, from sin to holiness. Let me forgive and thus receive salvation for the world. It is your gift, my Father, given me to offer to your Holy Son that he may find again the memory of you and of your son as you created him. Lesson 304. Let not my world obscure the sight of Christ. Five minutes.
Lesson 304, let not my world obscure the sight of Christ. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Refreshing. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, Fran. Thank you, guys. Good morning, it's Karen. Fran, did you want to share anything first? No, go ahead. I'll share I'll share after you share. Okay. Um this morning when when I did this, it was so experiential. The second coming of Christ, the feeling of being empty and just being uh just being completely receptive to the Holy Spirit flowing through me. There's no judgment in that state. There's no thinking. There's no me, 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 I, 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 ego, nonsense, my past, my great insights, my great, you know, story, none of that. It's it's clearly just a complete surrendering extending the actual feeling of the Holy Spirit, which which is a feeling of just light and peace and emptiness. I mean, I'm not the doer. I'm not the thinker. I'm, I'm not in charge. Therefore, there's no judgment of what even comes through because, you know, I can't say it's labeled love or it's labeled peace because... Sometimes it is and sometimes it isn't, but I'm not in that place. I'm not in that place of labeling it or judging it or evaluating it, but I'm really trying to just stay in the place where God extends through me, just flows through me, flows out through me. Even the stepping aside of having the intention of directing it where it goes or to whom it goes isn't even that... um, you know, when I pray, I do that, but but in this place of beingness, it's, it's just a trust that God knows where it goes. It goes everywhere because there is no gap. There is no gap. The consciousness of God just goes and goes and goes. It's all one. It's inclusive of everything that I can imagine, most of which I imagine with the part of my mind that doesn't know anything anyway. It's the part of my mind that's the false perception. So the the lesson said, let not my world obscure. Let not my world obscure. So I was having this um, experience. I'm in that state and I'm in that meditative state of just the experience of the extension of the divine. And I won't even describe it because, you know, it's just the experience of God flowing through me. And it changes. But I'm not, like, trying to hold it to be one thing. And um, then a thought comes, and it says, oh, I don't like such and such. It could be anything. Yesterday I was at the doctor yesterday morning, and, you know, I missed most 
or I missed the sharing part of the call to go to the doctor, and they put me in a room, and they left me there for a freaking hour, <laughs> you know, and I was like, oh, my ego doesn't like this. My ego is impatient. That's not my true self. My world will not obscure the Christ mind right now, you know. Oh, I, I recognize it. I offer it at the altar within because I'm not going to indulge the ego with anything. I'm just offering it up to God. And in that place of extension of the Christ mind, the true self, the, the experience without the gap, I'm very conscious of the ego coming in and trying to interfere. It, it You know, when I'm paying that much attention, I can tell when it interferes. Which a lot of the rest of the time, you know, if I'm distracted and I'm engaged, then I'm not as aware. But the Course is teaching me to be more aware. So whenever fear arises, I know, okay, this is my ego. This is my ego. I have to offer this to God and give it over, forgive it, let it go, and not indulge it. Or, you know, when I have likes and dislikes, when I'm judgmental. All of those times, you know, the Course is teaching us, recognize the ego mind when it tries to obstruct the present. So I'm just going to make a few points about the reading. Um, there, is no, there is no gap in the wholeness of God, and there is no gap between my brothers and myself. But that illusion of being a body is very handy because the ego wants to use it Oh, I believe I'm separate because I'm a body that comes and goes. I'm a, I'm separate being. Then I can have my hidden thoughts, my private world. I can have my likes and my dislikes. I can have all the thoughts I wouldn't want to share and wouldn't want anyone to know that I think. <laughs> That's a big joke, right? <laughs> my ego, my ego wants to have its negative thoughts. And doesn't want anyone to know, so it's it's holding up this belief that I'm a body, and therefore I am separate. But that is not real. But you know, the course says as long as you believe it, you endow it with power. The ego world seems very tangible. It seems very established because we give our power to it and we hold it, and that makes us feel defended against love, defended against oneness. And we don't extend the divine, which would be our oneness and our Christ self. Instead, we block off the divine and we stay in our private worlds and our false reality. And um, just one more thought. It says the body will accommodate to this if you would have it so. That's your will, my will, if I would have it so. It will allow limited indulgences in love with intervals of hatred in between. And then it talks about how um, fear and love seem to be coming in and out, back and forth. But that's the ego trying to hold the gap in place. That's the ego trying to defend against love. And it seems like love abandons us when, in fact, we are, are trying to keep the gap. We're trying to hold the gap to hold our fear in place. 
to hold separation in place, to hold our perception of reality in place. We're trying to defend the the gap between us ourselves and our brothers or ourselves and God. Love doesn't come and go. It's us. It's us defending against love. So I thought that was really important and thank you so much for letting me share. I'm complete. Well that that thank last you. was the whole point. Thank you, Karen. Mm-hmm. That thank was you, yeah. share. Really clear. Thank you, really Karen. clear. Love the wisdom thank and the resources. Beautiful. Thank, thank you, Karen. Such a pleasure. Just an awareness great. Thank you. I just want to say I'm so grateful to be able to share it because yesterday I was so disappointed. I had this great thing, you know, I wanted to say, but the universe wouldn't let me. And that's good because that was, you know, my opportunity to to surrender and be grateful to just extend. And th- thank you for complete. Thank you, Karen. going on in the text today in the lesson. Um, you know, I, I, I often flip, just flip the book open to see where I'll land. And um, I landed on the lesson that I will loosen the, this world from all that I think it was. And, and then that was before I went to the daily lesson. <coughs> Ooh, need a drink of water. Let my, the lesson for today, let not my world obscure the sight of Christ. And the whole, you know, reading in the text that um, talks about the making of, of, of making the body an idol of our reality is something that really captures my attention. And the ego's use of time, and time being a mental construct, that I'm a, um, a being in a body and I'm going to be in a place at a time. And, you know, the, the Course describes time as, or space as an interval of time that becomes a distance. And this is what the text speaks of today, is how, we, how the ego, using the body identification in time and space, conceives of something that's impossible. You know, and that we conceive ourselves as a body is impossible, and that we conceive a world that bodies are in are impossible. And the Course says there is no world this does not exist and either i am christ and i am real and the world is not or the world is real and i am not and that's what the text says i mean flat out you know this is this is a time to wake up this is a this is a dream but i love in the text where it talks about there's no time no place no state where god is absent even if I'm lost in the dream and misery and sickness and suffering on my deathbed, God's always with me. Rejoice, I wrote in my no- and the 
in the um, space in my book, Rejoice, There's No Escaping God or Love. <laughs> you can't escape God. We may want to escape this dream and the pain and the sickness and the suffering and um, the fear of death, but um, somehow the fear of God has become totally incomprehensible to me. But um, not truly understanding the oneness and the love of God is still something that I'm, 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 I'm remaining open to and welcoming. Welcoming um, Christ's consciousness is, is an awareness within me that that's all I want, all I need, um, because with that comes everything. And to put anything before that would be to put an idol on the altar, my holy altar of my mind. Um, you know, that that the mind, and thank you, Karen, for your, your wonderful share, that this idea of um, time and how we cannot make um, corrections um, or let our Christ consciousness make corrections or the Holy Spirit make corrections unless I'm mindful of how I'm, investing my my perceptions in fear. I'm believing in stuff that's happening in the world. I'm believing in sickness. I'm believing in 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 crimes and violence and you know the the horrors that are appearing in the world and not saying I don't believe this is not true. Restore me to the awareness of love's presence because it's everywhere all the time. And I, I don't want to think about anything or remember anything but that. That's what my mind's awareness was created to be. I was created to be love like itself and to see everything as love like itself. And I think the lesson really speaks to me of that today, that um, I have two ways of, of being in the world, and the Course has taught me how. Um, that I have a choiceless choice to see the truth today, to see that everything is love, and to protect my safety and let go of all my cares and concerns and worries um, that I have about the fear and the dream, that I am this dream, that I've made up this illusion in my mind that I think I'm something I'm not, and I believe this. You know, and I've got, I've got some fear still invested in this, I've got to admit, coming up on uh, going to see a kidney surgeon who wants to take out a quarter of one of my kidneys. And I'm like, what do I think about that? I don't know what to think about that. So we'll see what happens. But um, when I, I, I read the lesson, I particularly like um, this, what is it, one, two, the second, third line in, in the reading. It says, perception is a mirror, not a fact. And what I look on is my state of mind reflected outward. So my mirror, my mind mirrors what's within it upon the world. And this is, you know, giving back to cause, capital cause. My mind back to the capital cause of who created it. The thoughts that I think with God are in the mind that mirrors, mirrors holiness and innocence and kindness and love upon the world. That's what I extend. I know who I am in, in, in love and in peace and in, 
and in truth, which is my constant home ground, my foundation. And um, and I bless the world by looking at it through those kinds of eyes. Um, you know, and I I don't doubt that I I have signs of that all day long because everything's lit with that holiness. And I'm so cheerful and joyful, and everyone that looks at me smiles almost. I mean, <laughs> I keep an eye out for those who don't and give them an extra blessing. But, um, you know, that I used to be in the dark and I couldn't see, and now I know I am the light and I can see. I can see my own holiness, and I look out from my own holiness upon the world. It is God's gift, my Father given me to offer your holy son that he may find again the memory of you and of your son as you created him you know restoring them to the kingdom to the kingdom is what came to mind today that I'm in a holy relationship with everything all as one one and the same and what is the same cannot be different and what is one does not have different parts and knowing, knowing that knows everything as its capital self. I'm complete. Hooey. Thank you all for being here with us together as one. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. Blessings, thank Judy. You. Thank you. Yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you. Judy, I'm always impressed by how much you remember of the Course all the time, like that isn't even in the part we read today, like what is the same cannot be different and what is one cannot have separate parts. That helps me to hear those, those relationships between different parts of the Course. Thank you so much. This is Ida. Well, thank you, Ida. Thank you, Thank Ida. You, Ida. Nice. Thank you, Ida. That was Ida. really nice of you. The simplicity, the simplicity of oneness, it, it's so beautiful, and that's what makes it easy for me to, to remember. <laughs> Thank you, Ida. Good morning, this is Sandra. And I so appreciated the description, and I think it's paragraph six. The body will accommodate to this if you would have it so. It will allow but limited indulgences in, quote, love, with intervals of hatred in between. And it will take command of when to love and when to shrink more safely into fear. So I call those love-hate relationships. <laughs> and that, that's basically describing every relationship I've ever had and particularly with myself because <laughs> um, there's part of me that thinks I'm great and there's part of me that thinks I'm a, the lowliest piece of whatever and it's and really the only solution to that it's is to forgive <laughs> to begin with me to forgive myself and to let not my ego, my need to be right, my need to judge, my, my fear, obscure the sight of Christ, the sight of the Christ within me <clears throat> and the, within you. 
and really the the only solution is forgiveness and and I am still learning how to do that actually it's just it's, it's not it's it seems to be a process with me of of continually turning it over to my holy spirit and 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 repeating lessons like like I give everything the meaning that it has that I don't know what anything is for and that God's got a plan and it's just a matter of me trusting and relying on God trusting and relying on my holy spirit and and trusting that I am the love I'm looking for it comes directly to me from my creator and then it's just a choice of whether I want to extend that out to my to the to creation to the world and um it's just it's just so clear and but it's process not something that I can snap my fingers it's 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 a process of mastering mastering the art of true knowledge and then integrating it integrating that truth into my whole being and um and I'm gentle with myself I'm complete Thank you, thank you, Sandra. Oh, thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. Yeah. Morning. <clears throat> this is Charles. Um, Sandra, Jude, Karen. Such a blessing to hear your shares. And what came to me real strongly was reason versus understanding. When we, when we do the lessons in the Course, they come from pure reasoning, from pure knowing itself, which can only be experienced. And as we gain that experience by applying the reasoning of the Course, we get an understanding of what stillness, of what quality of experience we desire in our life, the quality of life that we wish to extend to others. And the experience becomes more important than the understanding. We desire a greater reasoning from a greater knowing. And I hear it in your voices and all your shares because the clarity of the awareness of what is reasonable and what is unreasonable is quite apparent. And I think God gives us that gift to know which is reasonable and what that which is unreasonable. And the more reasonable we can share and receive, the higher the quality we feel in life, the greater love we have for one another. Oh, thank you so much for all your shares. I'm complete. Thank you, Charles. Charles. Thank you, Thanks, Charles. Good morning, Harris. 
um, back to the lesson. Let not my world obscure the sight of Christ. The, those last three words, the sight of Christ. The Course talks a lot about Christ's vision. And clearly, he's not talking about what my eyes are showing me. Because my eyes are part of an illusory system that wants to deflect me away from the truth of who I am. My physical sight is inherently unreliable. And unfortunately, that's what I have used and still use, unfortunately, to send feedback to my mind about the world. And I have relied on physical sight to so-called protect me from what would harm me, not realizing that it is that very dependent on physical sight that causes me harm. Because I am identifying with the body. I'm identifying with the world form. And that's where all the harm is. But he tells me here that I'm obscuring my holy sight by intruding my world upon it. the world that my eyes are showing me. And I don't realize how significant the choice 
that I make is with respect to how I see myself and how I see the world. He says, I can obscure my holy sight if I intrude my world upon it. And I can't behold the holy sights that Christ looks upon unless it is his vision that I use. We're the ones who intrude our world on Christ's vision. The clarification of terms, it says, the world stands like a plot before Christ's face. And the truth is, the world is nothing. It doesn't exist. It's not there. It is strictly my belief that there is a world that causes me to obscure my holy sight. It's strictly my belief that there is a world outside that I see with my eyes that contains my body and all bodies. You know, we still have the vision, Christ's vision. Even though we don't choose to use it, we don't even realize that we have a Christ's vision. And what that does is it leads us down the road of sin, guilt, and fear. And that was, that's what causes all of the pain in our experience. One of my favorite lines, perception is a mirror, not a fact. And it's an important thought to me. Because if Perception is the error and not a fact. And perception shows me a world of pain, 
suffering attack all of the evils that my eyes and ears, my senses detect. And I realize that it is only a reflection of the thoughts that I made real in my mind first and then projected outward. Projection isn't perception, isn't there. Not a fact. And what I look on is my state of mind reflected outward. It's a hugely important idea. What I seem to perceive outside is not a fact. It's merely a mirror of my state of mind. The only value that the world has is to remind me that what I'm seeing outside is nothing more than a shadow of what I have made real inside. That's a hugely important idea to me. What I'm seeing outside. is nothing more than a shadow of what I have first made reason inside. The text says, and I'll finish with this, everyone sees only what he thinks he is and what your sight would show you, you will understand because it's the truth to you. Only your vision with the small V can convey to you what you can see. It reaches you directly without a need to be interpreted to you. Nor will it ever be made understandable by an interpreter you can't understand. I can't rely on my own understanding to interpret what the world is showing. I must step back and let 
slash the way. Thank you for letting me go on. I'm complete. Oh, that was very complete, Harrison. Thank you for every bit of it. Thank you for loving your voice, Harrison. Thank you. Bless you, dear brother. Thanks, Harrison. Thank you. Excellent clarity. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Harrison. Patricia, this morning I have a writing that just leaped right out to finish itself when a share occurred about someone wanting to say something really inspiring, but then events occurred where she was silenced and dealt with that silence. So uh, I had a prayer coming through uh, the theme of understanding war, and that's the first writing. And then I have a second one just on my kitchen called Nana's Kitchen in Silence. The first one on war. War and the use of word. When words define the message, word defines war you are in. One dividing itself to be seen. When words define the message, conflict electrifies the light, plugged in to one thing as true. When silence defines the message, silence defines war you are in. Undivided force is mirroring itself as silence defines the message every word is heard as love plugged in to one thing as true the second writing from Nana's Kitchen that the shares this morning just called me to repeat. First time I read this one, Nana's Kitchen in Silence. It's called That Which Silence Digests. Thoughts untangle softly here, blend well in silence. Keeping water levels higher than meaning. Slow the time down to simmer me, simmer me long, the heat fully unraveling every idea, absorbed in light until cooked just right. Nana's kitchen silence digests everything. Thank you.
Thank you, Patricia. I love that. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. This is Sandra again, and what I loved about that poem is that in that violence, there's spaciousness. There's, there's, you know, there could be judgment in the moment, but but it's but but the fact that that judgment is not being extended outward, it's it's kept inwardly, um, and and it's it's processed. You know, I, I know when I'm judging, and that's the beauty <laughs> of me staying on these calls because I've been judging since the day I got on these calls. <laughs> but the calls have been so helpful to me because as I continue the practice, and, and uh, I'm told in, in this book that I will judge. That's just part of humanity but that I can, again, I can choose not to. I can choose instead to honor the truth of who I am and the truth of who you are. And, and so that, that silence is where I can, you know, where I give the spaciousness not only to my fellows but to myself to just process it. With myself and with my Holy Spirit. Because once I start speaking it, once I start saying it, once I start complaining about it, whatever the hell I do, and, um, you know, I'm known to, I, could, I can complain. <laughs> I can go into that space very easily. Then I make it real. Then I give it power. Then I, you know, it's like, it, it, just to be able to be in that silence, and 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 spaciousness and trust that that there is a plan here i don't know what it is and that's where the silence is like i it's that it's that willingness that humility to just not have to know and to be okay with not knowing what the solution is what the answer is just be in silence i just loved your Patricia, thank you. No, oh, that was that was really beautiful, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. That was wonderful. Thank you, Sandra. And, and very and very astute. Yeah, right on point. Thank you. Thank you, Sandra. Mm-hmm. I love that too, um, Patricia. Thank you. Um, the spaciousness openness um, of the spaciousness of Christ consciousness is in stillness the, the peace that opposes the power that passes understanding is what is the condition for me knowing being knowing who and what I am someone's not on mute um, 
I love that expression, the qualified entente, that really captured my, my fancy. It, it armed my awareness in a way that was um, a, a part of the, the real part of me, the capital real part of me that the Course speaks of, my Christ mind being the only real part of my mind. And, and that, from the very first time that I read the book, really sang to me that um, there is no place or time where God is not, where love is not, where I am. Be still and know I am. There's no place or time where I am is not, which is who I am. I am. We all say I am. And to recognize that it's our shared consciousness, our shared awareness of the capital presence of love. Good morning, Mr. Crow. The, um, the lines where it speaks of in the text about giving power that is impossible, that we can't give power to these images that we've made of ourselves, that really um, reinforces the idea to me that this is a dream, that this is an image that I've made of myself. And Harrison, you always speak so clearly on this, that um, I'm Judy's body image is a part of the dream, and that my Christ consciousness encompasses that and doesn't judge it, doesn't fight with it. Um, it allows it and lets it, permits it to be, whatever she wants to be, but um, calls, love calls to me to be one with myself so that I needn't suffer from this sense of loneliness or being alone or separate or apart. But the idea of giving power to the image and believing that it's real um, and making um, what's not real a, a reality, the dream a reality is what the text speaks of me today, that we, we give power to this belief that we're bodies and there's um, a belief in the world. And the Course teaches us not to, not to think one belief about the world is true and um, that it's all a dream made up to, so that we could forget who we are, so we could experience this, this dream of, of separation and experience. But... God never intended us to be alone or afraid. And I, I'm, I'm just going to finish with this, that, that perception is deception. And the Course throughout says, the end of the dream, the dream is one of judgment. It's a dream of judgment. And all judgment is inherent in the distortion by perception, perceiving through a body, that it's limited and it was made to be a limit on who and what we are um, in a limited experience so that we're here and we have these limitations, but we need not suffer from them because we're still very capable and have the great potential to be aware of the magnitude of our one-mindedness and not give power to the dream and not give power or belief in fear to be afraid of something that our mind made up as a hallucination, as an imagination, that we're not images in the dream, that we're formless and changeless spirit, purely in the mind of God. That's all, folks. <laughs> Amen. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. 
Thank you, Judy. Uh, thank Bless you, you dear one. Good morning. This is Mindy. Do you have time for another share before we close? <laughs> sure, Mindy. Okay. Can you hear me okay? Um, am I coming in clear? Yes, you're loud and clear. Excellent. I keep asking other people to come in clear, so I figure I better start asking. <laughs> well, yesterday, I definitely let the world obscure my vision of Christ. I almost completely forgot to keep saying, um, you know, let the Christ be born in me today. Today the Christ is born in me. It's amazing how easy that was for me, even though I said to myself, this is the most important thing in the day, period, to know this and affirm this. So um, last night I made some choices that put my body in rears and had a hard time sleeping. So I just kept talking to every body part saying, the Christ is born in you today or the Christ is born in me and put that energy and that realization in any time one of them yelled and said, I'm hurting. And it was really amazing um, how things just calmed down and my mind stopped, you know, catastrophizing about how am I going to feel in the morning, blah, blah. And today, let not the world obscure the sight of Christ's vision, or I know I'm paraphrasing it, um, it's funny because I woke up with all of the things that were bothering me and uh, things I hadn't done on a worldly level that would support my well-being as a human being with a body. And I, I got them all down on the text, which just, oh, I sent a text to myself. And um, it, it was like, wow. And it's like, now that I've written this down somewhere, and the mind doesn't have to hold on to it and keep rerunning it so I don't forget. There's like room for spirit to intercede and guide me. And it's challenging sometimes to go from this call into the world of doing this, which I always feel impelled to do. It's, you know, 11 or 12 by the time we're done here. And, uh, I, I just want to say that I'm willing to let the Holy Spirit share with me what uh, Christ's vision would say about each thing that I'm about to do. So that when I do it, I realize I dedicate it to learning how to be in the real world. And I don't allow the ego to give me body thoughts, or if I do... I ask the Holy Spirit to help me and not get caught up in the, I'm a separate being, I need to get my water bill paid, and oh my God, this, you know, how we do this stuff, like, okay, fine. So for me, I really want to be able to get a lot done, but let me stop myself now. I'm not the doer, God is. I really want to be a good channel for God, Christ, my higher self, to do the things that, that should be done by me to bring harmony into my life as it appears now and also open the space for further love and light and knowing my oneness and knowing I'm not a body and I'm an eternal, blissful being with well-being no matter what and just really dedicate it to love. Everything I do, bringing love to everyone I talk to 
wow, that's <laughs> thank you. As I'm talking about that, it's like wow, what what better way to have my vision be in Christ than to have an intention that wherever I go and whatever I do and whatever I request that I am bringing love into the space of every person I talk with. And, of course, it's not my love. It's God's love. But my love is the channel for God's love. And uh, that's the way we worked it out. So it, it can't be bad. It's like as a child, I have to do the chores that my mother tells me. I have to wash the dishes, help make the meal. Um, so I feel like I have to go and get my bills paid, blah, blah, blah. But when I grow up, when I become the Christ self, when I grow up, I don't have to do dishes or cook anything. I can, I can choose to, to use the money that God is flowing to me and go get a carryout, eat it right from the foam container, and I can make that choice. So for now, I'm still a child, and I'm, I'm still having to do my chores, which is pay the bill and do this and do that. And I can do that with the knowledge that going through that, allowing God to do it with me, through me, as me, that I'm going to get to the place where I have the choice to be in that world of illusion or in that world of Christ. And that each time I dedicate something to that and still do the doingness, that I'm getting closer to the beingness. Amen. Thank you. That's, that's my context for today. Thank you. Beautifully said. Thank you, dear soul. That was I love that. just a joy to hear, Mindy. Thank you. Chop wood and carry water. Do you do it grudgingly or with a song on your lips? Thank you, um, Mindy. Love it. Bless you in all your doings. In <laughs> <laughs> all my beings. Thank you. Bless you all for being such willing, open ears and open hearts. <laughs> Well, this has been a really, really excellent call today. Uh, I've loved so much of what I heard. Uh, this is Lori, and um, uh, let's see what we're at the top of the hour again. So let not my world obscure the sight of Christ. There's so much, um, so much talk about world being real or not real, um, but I think he's asking us, rather than uh, looking at the content of the dream today, uh, to look at what am I doing with my thoughts to stuff the so-called gap with my own ideas. I probably, um, on my, well, I know it, on my own, um, I'm blind to this gap on my own as an ego. Um, you know, I believe in the body as a fence to protect me from love. And, um, and behind this fence, I think I live. And use my sword and shield to defend my separate self. And we're told in this work that uh, the separation is not real. 
and yet life happens and it all seems to happen to me uh, from behind my body and behind my eyes and so we're told to look within and find the truth that's within but the idea here <laughs> is how do I how do I mesh my world how do I lose the idea that there's an inside and an outside you know if you think about it um, we're told to go within and instantly you know within is of course uh, within the realm of my bodily experience without the body without bodily awareness the words in and out don't make any sense you know and and so looking at the gap is another way of looking at how the words in and out without the body don't make any sense and what he's asking me to realize is that I use judgment I use my own personal judgment my own values concepts beliefs self-concept personal constructs conditioning and every other thing that I've learned on this place in this realm in this space um, I use all of that to stuff this gap with uh, reasons I should validate these ideas in other words the gap is filled with ideas he wants me to know first of all there is no gap why because there's no difference between inside and outside there's only mind there's only mind and mind is filled with ideas in, in toward the end of this book we get what is creation creation is the sum of all God's capital T thoughts in number infinite and everywhere capital T thoughts in number infinite and everywhere he says you find it very easy to, to accept that you have ideas but maybe not so easy to accept that you are an idea and as an idea uh, I'm in the mind of God where's inside and outside there you know there's only mind you within it it within you and so eventually hopefully I um, well it ultimately I will get to the place where I realize uh, I am not limited by this body that's why he says right there tucked in in the what is the body section he tucks it right in there just tucks it right in there as a correction for the idea of what is the body he says all of this business about the body but here's here's the truth I want you to know identify with love and you're safe identify with love and you're home identify it with love and find your capital self I think there's one unmuted line I'm, I'm not exactly making it out right there okay um, and so over and over again the world is giving me this opportunity um, to discover that I'm not my body 
I'm not this body, that you are not a body, that bodies and distinct things that we call by name are all entirely infused, infused, all within the mind of God. How do I achieve that holiness? How do I, how do I recognize the holiness in which God created the universe? The great good news about the Course of Miracles, it's unlike everything else. It's different than every other way to achieve God, to achieve holiness, to achieve the realization of capital S. So he said you can, you can spend a lifetime fighting against sin and perhaps you might realize capital self. Or you can spend a lifetime in meditation and perhaps because of the goal, there will be a time that you achieve it because the goal cannot not be achieved. But your way will be different. Your way will save time. Save time for me, he says. All I need do is see truly one brother just one brother should one brother dawn upon my awareness as worthy of forgiveness I'll understand <laughs> I'll understand that I only meet myself no matter what giving and receiving are one in truth because there's just self there's just self from which we could never be separated that self is holy, innocent, and because of relationship, this way is different relationship. He says it, and thank you for highlighting paragraph six, Sandra. He says it right in paragraph six. You don't know what loving means. You don't know what loving means. Um, as an ego, I can only love in a special way. I can only pick out one person that I think is worthy. Um, and that person can share my personal dream and we can trade selves, but still not realize capital self because it's a special relationship. In the ego world, all love is special. In the ego world, all love is special. That is set apart to be a place of safety where we can hide from from love because we don't know what loving means it is all life you know I've talked so many times about the woman at the well but it's such a perfect story that illustrates uh, that there's no difference in us you know in that setting at that time you know it was wrong to talk to a woman it was wrong to talk to a Samaritan it was wrong to even be in that place um, but here's Jesus and he's thirsty and he asked the woman for a drink well I can't do that she said but he said if you knew the miracle that's before you you would ask for this living water this is the truth of self it's just love everything is love and I need relationship in order to realize that you know there's so much talk about duality non-duality on, on the Course of Miracles chat you know but the truth of the truth of um, discovering that there is no gap is because it's bridged through relationship 
is the gap that does not exist is bridged through relationship because I need relationship to know what love is. That's why he says vision or judgment you can have, but neither both. But you can't have both. You just can't. Because the minute, at the very instant, um, the very instant that I make a judgment of you, of a situation, of, of any person, any situation I'm in, the minute I make a judgment, I'm going to think that that same judgment applies to me. In other words, when I make a judgment, I lose track of myself. If I lose track of myself, I lose track of you because I've lost the meaning of love. Wherever, wherever uh, I am, God is. And it's my purpose. When I accept the purpose, the means again, it's my purpose to identify with love. Forgiveness is this world's equivalent of love because it empties the gap of the toys of fear. I did that. I did that. Have you ever, have you ever had someone, you know, say there's a person in your life that you just feel so lost and alone? someone in your life who's an addict, someone in your life who's suffering from severe depression. You know, this person in your life, you just, you just so desire to pull them, pull them into safety. You know that desire, you want to pull them into safety. Somehow you say prayers for them, you keep them in your heart and mind. It's for the great, great, greatest miracle of all is to realize this this person is not a person this a separate being. This person is your own heart and mind. This is your own healing that you're trying to embrace. This this gap that you perceive across which this person seems to be is a gap in my mind. It's a gap in my mind. When the gap in my mind disappears, I realize this person, that whoever it is, is on a soul's journey, a perfect journey for that soul. And that person is that soul and is experiencing and uh, living and learning uh, exactly the right thing at the right time and the only thing I can ever give to anyone is love the only thing anyone can ever give me is love and so when I recognize that this soul is on the same journey as I am how could we be different and apart now that now the gap is emptied of the toys of fear the gap that doesn't exist is always in my mind and it's always bridged by forgiveness. That is to say, I've emptied this so-called gap of my ideas with separation. And we do it. We do it all the time. You know, those moments of of spaciousness, 
those moments of silence, those moments of openness to the presence and action of God. We do that all the time. And when we entertain those thoughts, we're thinking with the Holy Spirit. And thinking with the Holy Spirit is what heals the world. The world being that constellation of ideas that are all contained within the mind of God. There is a world my father loves. We're told that in this Course in Miracles. We're told that God so loved the world that he gave it to his son. It's a world where I can uh, participate in my father's dream of creation. I can participate in love. Divine abstraction takes joy in application, and that's living. That's living here. And any time I can enjoin my thoughts with my father, a miracle will occur. That's just how it works. When I empty the the gap of my mind errors by forgiveness. I appreciate once again how my interests and uh, my father's interests and everyone who shares this place with me interests are the same and that is to experience divine love and holiness as we were created. So what a happy journey it turns out to be, and I can't empty this so-called gap of the toys of fear by myself. I can't find myself alone, and uh, I'm so grateful that we are here walking each other home. We need each other to know what love is, and, uh, and I'm very grateful. So. Thank you, everyone, and this has been a great opening to a great chapter on awakening, and uh, I'm really pleased today not to let my ideas, not to let my world interfere with the sight of Christ. Thank you, everyone. We'll end the recording, but as is customary, we stay on the call, so uh, 